Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Full Chat. The weekly F1 news and discussion show that just might have snuck up to third place in your favourite F1 podcast standings over the winter. I'm Brad Philpott and as always I've done my best to filter through this week's busy news cycle to find the best winter F1 content and we want you to add your views and join in the discussion in our live YouTube chat. We run a Twitter space during our recording but we completely neglect the listeners on there so if you're one of them search Full Chat F1 on YouTube and get involved in the chatting. Remember, any super chat questions get a guaranteed answer, but even if you're a cheapskate and don't pay us any money, we'll probably answer you anyway. Tonight, we dig into the pre-season F1 test and try to make sense of what we saw, giving our confident and soon-to-be-proven wrong predictions for the first race. We give our initial thoughts on the new season of Drive to Survive on Netflix and why, despite being long-term hardcore F1 fans, we're still hooked. In History with Alex and Brad, we take a look back at the team that made so much progress over one winter that nobody believed their testing times. And as usual, we answer your questions in real time as you send them in. Joining me as always, a former semi-decent kart racer with a bigger catering budget than the Red Bull F1 team, my co-host and best mate, Alex Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? I like that one. I wish I had a bigger catering budget. I mean, I'd be twice the size, but I wish I had a bigger catering budget. I am all good, Bradley. How are you? I'm okay. I had a, a brief idea to maybe not do a fat-shaming joke about you this week, but I just couldn't think of one, and that one mildly amused you, me. You, so. you think it would kick my fat ass into gear to actually lose some weight, but I just like food too much. No, and also you love it. You you enjoy it each week. You look forward to it. <laughs> You'd you're be really a... sad if I all of a sudden got skinny, wouldn't you? Exactly. Um, and you said you're going to do a super cut of those anyway. Um, I'm going to do a super cut. This would be funny. 
So before we get going, a quick reminder, if you're joining us on the Twitter space, you won't hear the music or the bumpers. So if you want to get involved in the chat, see what we look like and have no weird gaps where there's no sound between the topics, head to YouTube. The link's on my Twitter profile or just search for Full Chat F1. So Alex, you have actually been doing some football this week, haven't you? Well, I did football last week. I was thinking about this last week. So I still do my football on a Wednesday. Um, And I thought because we played really, really, really well, Last Wednesday, I thought I'd mention to you that I won the football last week. I scored loads of goals and we actually ended up playing for like nearly 90 minutes because the team after us didn't turn up. and We just kept playing and I felt like death the following day. So I realised um, I didn't have the right button to do the did Alex win the football. That was, that was an old feature. It was and, an old feature, a pre-podcast and, feature. And the um, what stupid shit has Mohammed Ben Salayam said this week feature. We don't have that anymore either. They're all dying. So- We're already eight weeks in. We're going to have to think of some new ones. Um, I, this week, have been doing a bunch of sim coaching, a lot of um, a lot of kind of online iRacing coaching. That's been quite good fun in various different cars. Um, I've been looking forward to Formula One, and I've been watching loads of testing, actually. I, I sat and watched basically all of every day of the test, so I'm hoping I'm quite well informed for today's topics. Um, you didn't see very much at all, though, did you? I did see... I did see- some of it i was basically on the thursday i was down in the south coast and about halfway through my journey sky just stopped working on my phone so i couldn't hear or listen to anything and i can't get sky working on my phone ever since then so i watched bits when i was at home and i've done lots and lots of catching up so um you will definitely have more insight than i do um so i can learn along with the listeners and will you be watching the race this weekend? Because there's a oh, Formula One race coming, if you hadn't heard. Hell yes. I, I tell you what, not only am I going to be watching the race, my 15-year-old niece, who's all of a sudden got herself really into Formula One through watching Drive to Survive, um, is going to come and watch the race with me, which will be really, really cool, because it'll be the first time she's done that since she was a tiny, tiny little baby when the st- um, when Vettel was winning everything. And she, that's why she's a Vettel fan. So she was really sad last year when Vettel left. Awesome. I am going to lock myself in the living room. I'm going to watch every minute of every session because it's the first one of the year and I'm excited and I've always been excited about F1. Shall we dig into this week's topics? Let's go for it. Let's do it. So as we alluded to, um, the first topic is testing we watched well i watched lots of it um and i'm going to try and teach you about who's going to win the first race so you can all win loads of money going down to the bookmakers and placing a bet Um, no definitely don't hold me to any of this as every f1 broadcaster has said um, over the last week um, everything here has a bunch of caveats and this is just a reasonably educated summary based on what we think and what other people who paid close attention. No, think. let's give odds. Sure. I mean, I don't let's, understand the odds. Let's not do that. No, but it, no. it doesn't matter. Max Verstappen's going to win. Neither of us are real betting people. Anyway. No, right. Like let's, should we just start off with the obvious and get this one crossed off and out of the way? Yeah. Um, Red Bull are the favourites, aren't they? Red yeah. Bull had a pretty flawless test. Nothing went wrong. They, uh, they just ran fast. They ran reliably and they seem confident and exactly as you would expect from the team that finished last year with the fastest car. And their car looks like a work of art. It really is beautiful, as in the, just the way that car flows. I mean, there's that amazing photo of the Flovis paint going absolutely perfectly underneath the um, side pod and out the back, and like the paint doesn't spill. 
anywhere. It's like absolutely perfect. It's like is they that, drew it. Is on. that what you're looking for? Is that what Flovis paint supposed to do? Is that how it's you can supposed tell to show where, really the, where the air is passing through? And apparently, that's a really good line and a really good well, thing. So if it's like splattered, that's bad, is it? That yeah. Mean turbulence. Like, listen, like like on the thumbnail for last week. Yes, yes. So listen to all this amazing technical insight that you get from this podcast. It's really what we're all about. We're essentially an expert tech podcast. No, we're not. We are purely... Um, we're trying to be. We're hunting for a person to be. Now, that's probably quite a good little segue. We don't even need to say we're hunting. We, we are going to have a special tech guest potentially next week they want to come on next week so if we can if we can technically get that to happen we'll have someone that you've probably all heard of especially if you're on twitter on formula one twitter um who will come and be our personal tech analysis expert but let's park that for the moment because that isn't us and we don't know what the hell we're talking about <laughs> we saw red bull go round the racetrack really fast lots of times <laughs> they and said that- the fastest time they didn't actually say the fastest time every day because joe went out on a glory run and set the fastest if, time on day two and didn't Joe Bottas do something similar as well if if the alphas hadn't done that then i think yes red bull would have just been fastest every day but i'm pretty sure if you look at if you can look at it in the cold light of day and look at what tires people were running and how long the runs were etc and what time of day people were running in because obviously it was really beneficial to be running in the cooler evening times yeah. adjusting for everything you could possibly adjust for and building in a big margin i still think it looks like red bull are clearly the fastest so that isn't really the interesting thing the interesting thing that came from testing was who was behind red bull who out of the two or now maybe three faster teams fastest teams behind them who's going to be second best i'm going to say it's probably ferrari because that's what everyone's saying is that the kind of thing you've gleaned from reading and listening to F1 stuff in the last few days? It, it very much looks that way. I'd love to be controversial and have a really different opinion on who's going to be second. I mean, there might be some more opinions on when we go further down the grid, um, but unfortunately it does look like it's a stalemate at the top with Red Bull and Ferrari just trying to nip at their heels as, qu- as closely as they can. So last year, I don't think Ferrari looked too crazy fast in testing but then they came out and won the first race and they were on pole you know they they were they were you know slightly ahead at the beginning of last season so is it possible that we just we just haven't seen what ferrari have got to give have they just held back a little bit well i did hear that they've been testing the engine modes with um with alpha and Haas. Um, so they've been giving Alpha and Haas the beefy engine mode. Maybe hence the reason Joe went out there and Bottas both went out there and did hot runs. Maybe they're testing the higher engine modes for Ferrari so Ferrari didn't have to show any of their speed. That would certainly that's make sense. Yeah, that's interesting. And Ferrari, we know, were a little bit hamstrung during the second half of the season last year because they couldn't push the engine for reliability fit. So if they do have that kind of fixed, maybe we'll see a step back to where they started off last season at. Because I don't think the car itself, although it's a very different fundamental concept to the Red Bull, I don't think the car itself was slow at all. I think the car was generally really fast. I think probably a lot of the speed issues they had towards the end of the year were the fact that the engine had to be turned down. So whether or not the Red Bull concept is the be-all and end-all or whether other concepts like the Ferrari one can ultimately be just as quick, I guess we've still yet to see. And well, they're only in the second year of, of this regulation set. Um, you would have thought that there'd be some convergence and 
most team or maybe the majority of teams are pointing towards the Red Bull shapes. And well, those, it's it's sorry, what you do, isn't it? If you come up with an idea and someone else has come up with an idea and their idea is far more superior to you, you're going to look down that avenue. And it doesn't and necessarily team... mean that's the best one ultimately, but if they're leading, that's the one you're probably going to copy, isn't it? Exactly. And the only ones that haven't copied anybody is Mercedes because their car looks entirely different to everybody else's. We can't tell from their performance whether it's good, whether it's bad. I mean... I talked last week about what to look for when watching testing and there was body language to watch and George and Lewis weren't bouncing on the balls of their heels. They never seemed quite, they seemed very reserved. So Um, I also don't think anyone seemed particularly downbeat either at Mercedes. It's difficult to read. We told everyone last week to watch testing and read the body language and I found it quite difficult to read the people's body language because you're a robot well okay maybe that (laughs) i'm not entirely emotionless the the body language you could definitely read as positive was coming out of aston martin and the reason was they think they're really fast now i'm gonna claim that that we got a scoop on that because if you check back to our previous episodes titles we were talking about how good aston martin are gonna be this year Um, and it looks like they've at least got off to a good start. Now, the majority of Formula One journalism publications and and individuals who contribute to those publications, the majority of them have put Aston Martin as third place in their rankings and they've bumped Mercedes back one. I'm dubious because I just feel like Mercedes haven't shown everything they've got. Obviously, almost everyone... Well, Toto has said they aren't. Toto Toto actually came out and said, we are hiding. And I think probably a lot of teams, and we're going to get onto some others in a moment, a lot of teams, maybe all the teams, are hiding things. It's just about about how much, what percentage of the pace are they hiding. With the Mercedes, we know for a fact that they had a rear wing on, which they're almost certainly not going to run. It was like a barn door, that thing, wasn't it? And they had very low top speed. So straight away, that's quite a, a glaringly obvious difference that we're we're probably going to see on that car at the first race. So you say... Very low top speed. And yes, in the speed traps, it was it was around the 315 kilometers an hour, which is matching their top speed from the race last year. So if they're doing that with a proverbial barn door on the back of the car, maybe there is a lot more pace in that car to come. But they've also talked about a big upgrade package that is coming. And the thing is, is the the, the time scale is a bit, um, undisclosed. I've heard as early as the first race, I've heard three races time, and I've heard six races time. Um, I hope it's the former rather than the latter, but um, because I, I just, I want to see Merck back fighting at the top, not just in this weird battle where they're just behind the Ferraris, but not close enough to attack, but too far ahead of everybody else. So basically George and Lewis have boring races. Yeah, I don't think any of us want to see Mercedes in the position that they were in last year, even if you're not really a fan. I think you'd rather... Oh, if you're not a fan and you're very, very bored of Mercedes dominance, you want to see them further back. Oh, really? Okay, so I I think, well, maybe I'm talking more about general neutral people who just want to see... No one's really neutral. 
bullshit. I, well, I, we're not, I really we're not call it. Here. I really call it. No, I don't think there is anybody who is neutral. I really don't. Even even the um, I was actually having this conversation with my wife on the um, uh, the other day, which is I even believe the pundits that you see on telly aren't neutral, and you can tell that like when um, when Jensen Button won his first race. Um, uh, uh, what was it? Um, James Allen went absolutely mental because he's a Brit, Jensen's a Brit, and he was really happy a Brit won. Murray Walker, you know, had, had to stop because he had a lump in his throat when Damon Hill won the title. Martin Brundle went crazy when Lewis won in 08. So I don't believe in neutrality in motorsport. I don't think you, I, I, I don't get how you watch if you're just neutral because right, it just gets then- boring. Let's talk about something which we, neither of us are neutral on, and that is the subject of Fernando Alonso, because Aston Martin are obviously the big talking point of this test and and kind of of the end of the preseason in general. We've spoken about them a few times. There were positive noises coming out of the Silverstone factory about big downforce numbers and obviously a major car change, plus the fact Alonso is just a headline generator anyway. Aston Martin then put their money where their mouth it was, is, and came out with some fast lap times. And not only that, came out with some really good long runs. And obviously it's much harder to do a glory long run because you've got to put the fuel in the car. The things that they can do are use faster engine modes than other teams using the same engines. Um, and, you know, if they didn't do a full race distance, they can have a, a little bit of a lighter car than maybe some other people doing longer runs. But I don't think that's what it looked like was happening with Aston. It looked like there was some genuine pace there that was maybe slightly flattered by running in cooler conditions for their really long run. What impression have you got about Aston from what you've been hearing in the last few days? It's all just magic Alonso and him being the best because he tells you he is every single opportunity that he gets. I mean, imagine how fast Lance would have been in that car um, if he hadn't busted both his wrists I'm really surprised they haven't just said, I'm really sorry, Drogovic is going to be racing. Because if you've busted both your wrists, you're out for a long time. But well, They have said it's definitely going to be Drogovic, no one else. So if it's not Stroll, it's going to be Drogovic. So we know that that's much good. at least now. That's good. I'm actually going to bring in some other um, um, standby driver. But yeah, Well, there was also so, talk that it might be Vettel, and that was kind of quite a, an exciting sounding thing. I don't thing. think he'll be interested. I think he would get obliterated by Alonso. He would have had no testing in this particular car and he wasn't particularly on the top of his game when he left anyway last year, was he? I think he'd fallen out of love with the sport. Anyway, back to Alonso. Um, So, listen, as I I keep saying, however much I don't like the guy, he is a fantastic Formula 1 driver and he will get the most out of a Formula 1 car. Um, Whether it was all show, we will wait seven days till we find out what what actually happens actually less than seven days six days five days uh god it's five days to the race um until we actually find out but the car looks good it's got some really cool design concepts on it those really really deep um what do, we call, what, do we, what do we call them water water slide water slides, side yeah. pods look amazing um they do look cool and they ran and they ran and they ran and they ran they had a slight um electrical problem on the first right at the day, start of day one, on the first it, day when when Drogovic drove out the pits and stopped instantly, um, I did give a little cheer because I don't want to cheer for them. Um, you know, wait, uh, we've got a super chat, and I can't see what it is because I've covered it up with I the can. little video that we play. Um, but the super chat is from Josh. Josh asks, um, "Think Drogovic might end up doing a better job than Stroll would have?" 
Now, as much as we are not a Lance Stroll fan podcast here, the answer from me is no. I think Stroll will would have done a much better job than Drogovic. I think even if you tr- chucked Stroll in without the testing mileage that Drogovic has done, he's still likely to, to be quicker. Everything I heard was that Drogovic did a very solid, sensible job, but was not on the limit of the car. And um, you can probably see that if you compare him to the kind of times Alonso did. Although, having said that, he was probably also doing more of the grunt work than Alonso and at worst times of the day. Alex, what's your answer? Unfortunately, however much I do like to crap on Stroll from a height, um, I I do agree. Um, Because he has been given enough, enough time now to become a competent Formula One driver who is very capable now. Listen, he's not going to be the world champion that his dad thinks he's going to be. And Alonso thinks that. (laughs) And Alonso thinks that. It's not going to happen. It's just not within the realms of his talent. It's not not there unless the car advantage is massive and his teammate is absolute servitude. So our position has never been that Stroll is bad, is it? It's that Stroll is only as good as he is because he's had an unfair amount of extra privilege. That's basically our our show's position. Oh, listen, that, he's not is that fair. He's not the type of driver that is off there crashing every single week. You know, no, and he's he, also not really slow. He's also, you know, he no, was respectable against Vettel. He's just fine. Yes. Um, the problem was he wasn't fine when he joined Formula One, but he's now had, I actually have lost track of when he actually um, joined. The Jerome sport. says this is his seventh season and he's only wow. 24. Seventh so, season. So that's a hell of a lot so, of experience. If I had had seven years in Formula One with all the support and everything put behind me that was possible, I would be good at Formula One. So you know, uh, we'd at least like to think that, wouldn't we? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go with that at least anyway. We've got another super chat from Vim's twenty five. Vim says you can, you can read it because once again I've covered it up with the video. Oh, hang on. Lewis will be on the podium in the first, first three, races. three races and win in Australia. So it's not a question, but we don't mind reading out statements because we don't have to answer them. <laughs> we can just read it out. That's fine. So thanks, Vims, for that super chat. Um, that's a bold prediction. Obviously, that relies on the Mercedes he was on. He was, he was on the podium first race last season. Yes. I mean, both Red With Bulls With some died. help from Red Bull falling <laughs> off. Exactly. So for Lewis to be on the podium in the first few races, essentially, we need to see the testing form that we were shown this past weekend kind of flipped a bit. We need to see that Mercedes were really hiding pace um, and that they they aren't exactly where the lap times show. Because if you do look at the hard data, if you look at the long runs, if you dig down and you really compare as fuel adjusted as you can, because you can work out to a certain extent how much fuel people were likely to have been carrying, the kind of compounds of tyres they were running, the kind of time of day they were running. If you dig down through all that stuff, on the face of it, Mercedes are slightly behind Aston Martin. Mm -hmm. I just don't believe that picture. I just don't believe Mercedes are running at a push, were pushing as hard and showing as much as Aston. And that's without talking about things like the rear wing and other updates. So I still really firmly believe it's Red Bull, and then with Mercedes and Ferrari closely behind in some kind of order, but close enough that on race pace, they can maybe do something about Red Bull. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm going to remain pessimistic, which is opposite. Just just so you're not disappointed at the weekend. Which is opposite form to me. I just, after 
the showing that was last year. And then... wait, sorry, I'm interrupting you again because it's super chat and we have to interrupt. I'm not pressing the button this time because I want to <laughs> read it. So Sean Sharlev, in a currency that I actually don't. What on earth is that currency? Considering I make notes of how of of everything. Um, I don't know what currency that is. <laughs> what is that? Okay, if anybody listening um, knows what a squiggly sideways double S as a currency is, um, let us know. Um, Sean says, if Lance Stroll is out of racing, I do wish him a speedy recovery. Will Lando jump ship and move to Aston Martin mid-season? Oh, that's juicy. That is a brilliant bit of kind of wild speculation. And to answer that, obviously we don't know, but I don't think it would be a bad idea because as our thumbnail suggests... McLaren are fucked. <laughs> properly, properly fucked. McLaren L- are screwed. L- Lando's not going anywhere. L- Lando, Lando will see out his contract. I'm sure of it. Um, he's probably so because McLaren paid for his, basically put him once once he got to a decent level. McLaren basically backed him the whole way, despite the fact that his family's got money and probably could afford it anyway. He had he had the McLaren juggernaut. I think he was a Ron Dennis boy, wasn't he? I think Ron oh, Dennis... I don't know whether he's quite as far back as that, but he was uh, maybe. I might, I don't actually know. I think so... he was. I think he might early days Ron Dennis, and then obviously he moved over, and then Zach. He must have been very very young at that time. Then Zach pushed him over. Lewis was eleven. No, I mean. Because Ron Dennis has been gone for a long time, and Lando is very, very young now. Am I am I now forgetting actually how long how long Ron's been gone? I think so. I just think you're showing your age. You, you think Christ. the Vodafone yeah. sponsorship only went last year? Oh, I love those liveries, Chrome liveries. I know you but, hate them, but no, um, I don't mind them. I think Lando moving mid-season is not the wildest thing to ever happen. Anyone who's watched the I Drive to Survive series, and we will touch upon it later, we'll see what happened to Piastri and all the behind-the-scenes wranglings. If Lando doesn't want to be there, and the team are just doing a really bad job and the car is hopeless, it won't be long before he's seriously looking around. And and I I would expect that he'd already been, you know, sounding out anyone he could. He could. But he's not think... going to Aston in place of Stroll. Exactly. I mean, that, that's not happening. Stroll will be at that... Lance will be at that team for as long as he wants to be or his dad can put up with the nepotism basically um but i think if lando's going to go anywhere he will go to mercedes when lewis leaves ah no okay so that's interesting i would have said for sure that lando will go to audi slash sauber um when his contract ends so that's interesting we'll see but Uh, it's it's that case of do you want to go and be alongside your mate uh mercedes a known team a known quantity who are always going to be in and around it and will get themselves back in a way no matter what they do or this unknown quantity and we've seen manufacturers come in before and disappear again we'll have a I'm whole sure conversation he would rather about that later mercedes. I'm, I'm sure you're right like if the choice was there he'd rather be at mercedes provided that you know they don't go into a terrible death spiral over the next couple of years so if hamilton's retiring in the next couple of years do you think that's possible yes. what hamilton a mercedes, leaving, a, a, mercedes? A, a mercedes death spiral well, success is never guaranteed, is it? And no. you know, top top teams rise and fall. Red Bull's um, period of success um, over the last decade, and I'm I'm even I'm counting the period where they weren't the fastest car, but they were in the hunt and you know snatching victories every so often. Even that is like quite a sustained, impressive level of success for any team. Mercedes have been up and around the top for a long time, but now we've got the cost cap and all the resource restrictions, etc. There's no guarantee that you can just 
just because you're really well funded and historically you've been great that you're going to be anywhere. Look at what's happening to McLaren this year. You know, McLaren are a historically really well funded and well established team and they have produced a shocker by the looks of it. I mean, um, Alter Bronze in the chat makes a really good point. Merck's, was, Merck's lost a lot of top people. You know, I mean, I, I can't, I can't name them all, but they've lost engine people, they've lost aero people. Yeah. Um, they've Red lost. Bull powertrains poached quite a few people, didn't they? Yeah. So, but that's what happened to McLaren as well. You know, they lost all those people. All those people left. I mean, their biggest loss was Adrian Newey. Um, because uh, I mean, that was a long time ago. But you know, to lose Adrian Newey. And then everything went away from them because he went off to Williams for a brief period of time and then went off to Red Bull. And look what he did there until he stopped designing the car a couple of years ago. And built to Jay-Z Lexus, who's always prolific in our chat, um, says that Lewis will retire and Lando will go to Merck. So he's agreeing with you. See, I've, I've always suspected that it'll be Charles Leclerc on his way to replace Lewis at Mercedes. But it, this is a little It all depends if Ferrari continue to emotionally abuse Charles Leclerc or not. This is this is kind of maybe slight side topic to our testing program. So <laughs> we're, and we're not going to go down into detail about all the crap teams at the back. So don't worry. We we we're only interested in this kind of interesting <laughs> fight at the front. But let's let's at least dip our toes into the midfield or the front of the midfield. So assuming the top 4 teams are in some order the ones that we've just suggested. The next team on the list Everyone seems to think, or the majority of people seem to think, is actually the team that was right at the back in terms of the lap times in the test. And that was Alpine, who it seems were doing a really good, deliberate sandbagging job and are quite happy getting on with their own programme and aren't keen to show their pace. So why why would that be? Why would they have such a different programme to, to everyone else? Um, maybe it's because they're working on particular concepts. They have a particular way that they go about their data analysis that doesn't need them to do it at full speed. Maybe it's just been a case. They, they ran a lot of aero rakes throughout the lots of aero rakes and sensors and stuff. Obviously they all did, but I particularly remember seeing the, the Alpine with them on quite a lot. So maybe they're just doing lots and lots of data collection. And then they went in and bang, banged in a few laps as well. So I think it's also, I don't feel like they'll drop all the way back, especially because how far McLaren has dropped back and I don't really think, apart from maybe Alpha, any of the other cars at the back have jumped forward. So I so think I, maybe they've just been leapfrogged by Aston, and they're basically where they were where they were last season. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's no reason to think that they would have just from the position they were in last season, which was fourth, you know, in a reasonably comfortable fourth position, I guess, by the end. Especially if you take into account the reliability issues they had, they they're not going to have just forgotten all that and suddenly produced like a super terrible car like it seems maybe mclaren might have done um they they should start off somewhere around you know with a good platform from last year so it would be weird for them to suddenly be just way off the back um and they did seem to just be running around on the hard tires quite a lot someone in the chat said did they only run one set of tires the whole test yeah, Tom asked that. Now, I don't know the answer. They certainly, I really only ever saw them on, on the white sidewalled harder compounds. I don't know whether they only use one of those compounds because they're obviously a few to choose from over the test. But again, that would be pretty weird because you're not getting much information about how the car responds on the other compounds. But maybe they were just very comfortable doing their own thing. 
And I mean, I'm very, very interested to see just how much pace they were hiding because we know they definitely were doing it to some degree. I got very confused by the way they did tyre compounds during testing. Sorry, Con- Connor Edwards is correcting me. He says he thinks they were on the mediums. I must have seen them a couple of times on, uh, on what looked like hard, or maybe it was just their suspension that the, looked hard. But to be fair, the way they did the tyres was a joke. Some had stripes, some had letters, no, that's... different colours. Right. No, right. no, can... Let me explain it. Go I on, because you, you expl- I, as I said, because of my... Te- my actual testing watching was so disjointed. I just heard Crofty constantly bitching about um, all the tire compounds and even Anthony Davidson getting flustered. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say this all wrong, but I understand it something like this. So you have little pairings of coloured tires, and the softer one is the one that has the colour but no stripe, and then. The next one up, <laughs> the, the next harder one is yeah, the one with it, it's so, shit. I'm sorry. No, so, it, it, so, you have, so you have a C0, which is the... No, that's the other one all all, We've lost all our listeners, let me say you. As I C5, said... C5 is the softest, <laughs> C0 is the hardest. Thank and... you. Thank you for proving me correct that the, yeah, okay. the, the, the entire system I thought was I bullshit. It, but, but now I'm, I'm realising maybe I didn't. Um, um, so what tyres... Are we going to have for the Grand Prix? One, two, two and three. three. C1, so. C2, C3. So we're not having the very hardest ones and we're not having the two softest. So the C5 is the softest one, which is where I That's think correct. I saw the Mercs doing their quickest laps, but having bad last sectors. And I think talking about those stripes you mentioned on the side, I think C5 is when it's red writing and it's got a red stripe. Yes, so this C4 is where it got confusing. I think that's the way around it is. That's where it got Someone confusing, and I gave up me. listening whenever they started talking about tyres. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Especially because, thank fuck, they aren't sticking with it. Oh, then what do you mean they're not sticking with it? Because it's just going back to three. Oh, of course, for the races. For the yes, racing, for, it's just for going the back races, to three we only ever have soft, medium, and hard. And it'll be and, white, and the yellow, teams red. Know... Yeah, exactly. We don't need, as viewers, we don't really need to know whether it's the C123 or whatever. We just need to know which of the three compounds they're on this weekend is the soft one and which is the hard and which is the medium. So, um, so should we just finish off, wrap up our kind of testing? Um, analysis. You've been banging on about it for half an hour. It's not an analysis. It's just absolute <laughs> conjecture. Um, so this is where right. we're going to get horrible reviews. They go, these two have no idea what they're fucking talking about, and you're absolutely right. No, we've got like some idea. I, I did watch it. Like you know, I sat there and, and absorbed it. It just means it's difficult to it's difficult to know what is actually it, happening. It, it didn't that. go quite in one ear and out the other, but no. it hung around for a bit. No, and we couldn't know, do this show next week. No, no, I would have forgotten everything <laughs> by then. Um, so behind those teams, um, we've got uh, well, what order are we going to go? It's very, very difficult at this stage. It's very like murky. It's hard enough with the guys at the front. Once we get into like the the ones we weren't actually paying any attention. Why don't to, we just list them? Way so you go first. Okay. So, so after after Alpine, let's go um, Alfa Romeo. I agree. Yeah. Okay, uh, now you've got to go next for your next one, and I'll agree or disagree. Um, so I'm going to go Alpha Tauri. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, they're, they're one that was very, very difficult to read. I never saw anything mm-hmm. special. Um, they, don't, they probably don't have the strongest driver pairing. One of their drivers isn't that experienced in Formula 1. The other one isn't that highly regarded in Formula 1. So they might be held back slightly by the drivers and, and their feedback. 
potentially, and, and the car's not necessarily... I, I just find it really strange that Alpha Tauri don't look more like the Red Bull. Obviously, they're okay. not really yeah. allowed to share info, but... I think they've been quite keen over the years to, in order to keep the value in the team for any prospective buyer, that they have, they're self-sufficient. You know, they can, they can run completely separate from the parent team. And obviously there are rules in place to try and uh, make that the case as well. But I'm pretty sure they do share the Red Bull wind tunnel. Um, It's just, they have to, and that's actually very near me here, actually just up the road, but they, they have to, um, very clearly delineate when each team is using it there are cameras everywhere i think it was was it anthony davidson yeah you would you would have probably missed this during the test no there's cameras in the wind tunnel yeah 24 7 cameras that i had no idea about the fia to monitor when they're being used who's running that that's quite encouraging i just didn't quite believe that that they would go to that extent i'm really glad they do though um so that that was quite cool there were also let's just talk about some of the interesting nuggets from the testing coverage whilst i remember because i didn't put i didn't put this in the notes so i'm trying to remember which i'm trying to remember which teams we've said now in what order so okay so while you talk i'm going to write things down so i remember what we've talked about the only ones we're missing so far from the order is it just mclaren and williams williams mclaren and Haas. Haas. oh yeah yeah, so i think i think the rest of that's quite easy so so let's do that first shall we oh go on then go on then i'll just forget the other thing i was going to say yeah i know i'm going to go with Haas. Yeah, okay. I would have put them above Alpha Tauri, but okay. I didn't because I forgot about them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As as I think we described in our very first podcast, Haas are the meh team, and I often forget Haas exists. (laughs) I also find um, Alpha Romeo, Sauber, etc. a bit meh. I know, but um, the car's pretty, and Bottas has the best helmet on the whole grid, and he needs to keep it. Well, he won't. Yeah, he won't have that because we've actually already seen his real helmet. Because um, there was an image shared around on Twitter that people were saying wasn't from this year or it wasn't real. Um, I can't remember what the context was, but Bottas was in it and he was wearing an Alfa Romeo stake-sponsored suit, so it definitely was this year. But he had his helmet that he's going to use for the rest of the year. He had his normal blue-style finish-looking helmet, and that's why people thought it wasn't from. This I'm year. sad because that helmet was awesome because it was designed by his girlfriend. Yes. Mega. It was really, really so, cool. I think she does all of, all of his designs, actually. Um, it's kind of like her side hobby. Um, her side hustle. Yeah. See, um, she's, she's like me. I've got my side hustle. My side hustle is designed too. Yeah, I think she's better. Um, Probably. <laughs> so I'm going to say that. So Haas, I think, above um, Alpha Tauri, but who knows? And I think probably McLaren will be ahead of Williams, even though we've been saying they're right at the back. I mean, second to last is still far enough back, isn't it? So um, I think at least Norris will be ahead of a lot of the other back of the pack cars. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Piastri. He's a, a little bit green at the moment, even if ultimately he's got great potential. Um, well, we'll talk more about Piastri when we talk about when we, when we have a bit of a chat about Drive to Survive. But um, I'm confused about Williams. Every time I looked at the screen, they were on track. They had their best testing. I mean, it's not pushing the bar high, but they had their best testing like ever. Um, they were always on track. They were always in a decent, relatively decent position on the times. They looked like they were doing really, really well. So maybe they won't be back, 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 but... Not off the back. Off the back, that's what I mean. Yeah. They'll be they'll be in the fight and maybe Albon will pick up some points. I'm not quite sold on Logan Sargent yet. Yeah, I I also don't know about Logan Sargent. He obviously didn't disgrace himself in the testing, but you just until I've seen what he can do in anger 
I'm going to just kind of remain on the fence about Logan. It's different different when you've got a driver who's come through and like blitzed the junior series, you can be a bit more confident that they've that they're definitely the real deal. Logan didn't do that, but I've heard various reasons why that might have been the case and and people say I think he was a world karting champion as well. So don't you find they always make excuses? Well, for people in their junior series when they get to Formula One, I'm pretty well, certain people made excuses for Latifi. Only one driver can ultimately win each of the series each year, and there are a multitude of reasons why a driver might not, you know, might not get that win. And the team, you know, just not being in one of the best teams might be part of it. But I don't know. Let's um, let's see what happens with Logan Sargent. I do think mm. Norris though will drag a pretty crappy McLaren higher than it should be, and they apparently have a, an update coming at baku or from baku onwards because what i've heard on the grapevine which is just basically other f1 media um is that mclaren realized too late that they'd gone down the wrong development path they stopped development on that early but we won't see the other direction they've taken until the update comes and what that means is what we're seeing now what we're left is an a spec car is is a car which already was the wrong concept and stopped being developed ages ago when they realized it was the wrong concept. So, ah, so it's, it was like bad anyway. And, you know, in comparison to the ideal version of, of the car and they realized that long enough ago that it's now just really far behind the other teams that have pressed ahead with their development. So I think that probably explains or potentially explains why McLaren are looking quite as bad as they, as they are. Corey Edwards in the chat says Logan Sargent is as good as Oscar Piastri. Okay, and that'll be interesting. Which would be awesome. I, I would love to have, you know, from what I, I, I haven't really watched either of them drive. I haven't got any real opinion on either of them in a race car. But all I've heard about Oscar Piastri is he's brilliant. Um, so if we've got two young hotshots coming in, along with the Freeze, who's also really, really good, um, it'd be nice to have a really decent consignment of rookies who aren't just pay drivers. And Connor Edwards says in Formula 3 in 2020, he was level on points with Piastri in the same car for the championship, but got taken out by Zendeli at Mugello, lap one. So, cool. It's good that we've got people who paid more attention to the junior Is Connor just an encyclopedia? He, he knows is. everything. He's good to have, isn't he? He really good. is. Um, so, I tell you what, just before we move on to our next topic, my final thoughts on testing. I tweeted this, um, and a, a couple of the people that I mentioned in the tweet... Um, picked it up and either retweeted it or um, or commented on it so uh, will buxton being one of them i was thinking why am i suddenly getting a bunch of new followers then i realized will buxton and quote buxton tweeted effect. it i basically said i really enjoyed the coverage i thought the the blend of the f1 tv people and sky sports people on this kind of massive long stints of commentary where they were where they had the opportunity to talk about anything and everything during mm -hmm. during and in between the on-track action i just loved it i loved how relaxed the atmosphere was i learned new things um i loved the pat simmons um science lesson that was brilliant oh i missed um, that so pat I simmons know what, i know who pat simmons is but yeah he he sat down with crofty and ant davidson and basically explained all about hydrocarbons and how formula one's moving to synthetic fuels and how he'd done the research by just buying a bunch of secondhand books in Oxford and um, and basically he went into it was like having a brilliant chemistry teacher who really knew how to engage their students it was like having them 
explain a thing to you and i i was listening and watching on my phone at this point doing some housework and i actually stopped and unplugged my headphones and played it on speakerphone to my other half becca and <laughs> she didn't even shit. really she stopped, she stopped what <laughs> wow, she was doing Christ. and she said wow this is actually really interesting so if that level of engagement can happen because of the relaxed environment of a test session I thought it was just great. E- so. Even if he does condone making one member of his team crash into a wall so the other member of the team can win the race. That that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> How would you feel about Flabio Briatore doing it? I don't think he would explain it quite as well. I bet Flab knows about hydrocarbons. I don't Are you calling him Flabio? Is that because he's fat? Flabio. Right. Brilliant. I call him Flab, Fabio, Fabio Briatore. F- Flavio with fun, a V. A fun, a fun, a fun <laughs> fact. My um, my brother used to do a lot of work um at the old Endstone factory when um, Flavio, Flavio, whatever his flipping name is, um was was running the team, and every single shirt he had was embroidered with FB on his shirt, and it was the joke going around the whole factory. Everyone just called him fucking bastard. Okay, excellent. I thought it was going to be something <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> So I'll tell you what then, um, let's move on to topic number two, which this week is, uh, we're not going to do a full review, but we're going to talk about Drive to Survive. Okay, so. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Drive to Survive. Um... It's been around for quite a while now and it's developed over the years and it's it's loved by some, hated by others, but it undoubtedly brought a massive influx of new fans to Formula One. And I personally have watched every season and began totally sceptically like pretty much every hardcore F1 fan where you think, well, this is an over-dramatisation, it's not real. I've watched it when it when it was happening live, so why do I need to see this? But I am fully on board with Drive to Survive, not just because it's made the sport like unbelievably popular to a level that we've never seen before, but because I actually really love the, the behind-the-scenes stuff that you can take in the right context if you've also watched the season. So I know you've seen half of the episodes of this season so far i'm up to the episode where they have just started with alpine okay so that is when it's five or six i think that's when it starts to get really juicy i've watched almost every episode uh, basically in preparation for this show normally i'd watch it at my leisure but i wanted to take advantage of the fact that other people will be watching it around this time i've got eight minutes to go in the final (laughs) episode so i've nearly seen everything and 
the the key takeaways for me are, and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the key takeaways are that I actually think it's less dramatized than before, as long as you aren't talking about the way they splice together certain the races. incidents. Yes, obviously, the, the fake races com- are not. It's the fake commentary. And there is obviously fake commentary. That that drags me out of everything. So I I, I am in agreement with you. As far as watching the racing side of it, because I've seen it and I know the results, I'm not interested. Okay, it's nice to see, you know, in the Silverstone race with Mick Schumacher, it was actually nice to see his progress through the field and how he got on because we didn't see that because there was so much going on at the front of the race. But it's the juicy stuff behind. It's kind of how toxic... Um, Gunter Steiner is when it comes to man management which we have learned over the last five seasons despite how much I like the guy because he seems like a really lovely bubbly person he should never be allowed to be in charge of man management so people will say that so let's talk about the Gunther Steiner thing first of all so without going into too much detail because I don't want to spoil it for people there's an episode about Mick Schumacher in this season um, and you see the way that the Haas management are, are dealing with that situation behind the scenes and Yes, I'm sure, as with all of these things, the edit is done in a way which makes it seem a little bit more intense than it is. But there are certain interactions um, and um, conversations and um, situations that were not just spliced together. It's one entire cut. And these people that you're watching are not professional paid actors. So there's only a certain amount of pretending or acting that I think we're witnessing. I think the majority of what you're seeing is genuine things that actually happened. And I don't think they're done specifically for the cameras. And the reason I say that is a lot of, a lot of the best juiciest parts of this season's drive to survive are done with long range microphones where it seems that the person or the people being filmed or captured were not aware that they were being captured Captured. at the time. Um, There is a conversation in a later episode with, um, Zach Brown and Otmar Safnauer, which was them in a closed meeting room in, I believe, either the McLaren or the Alpine motorhome. I can't remember which way around it was. And you hear a conversation from a distance that they're clearly not mic'd up for. And I don't think they thought was going to, you know, become public afterwards. So Netflix just obviously have this almost carte blanche um, allowance Free to rain. do and record anything they want so well, there was the same thing with a conversation with gene Haas and gunter when gunter was in a room on the phone to gene yes you yes. know and there's I, lots I, of phone I do, calls I, that you it, hear like that it's funny actually because um uh, lauren my wife she used to be involved in in television um in in her early 20s um she's in indulged me in lots of things that go on in telly so whenever i see new stuff like this i'm like oh how did they do that i get i get really sort of interested in the nuance of, of how they do these sorts of things and it just shows how amazing technology is and that everybody can hear you there were a couple of key moments that i just want to point out before i forget them and people can discuss them um, in the comments oh jerome points out christian horner is always playing up to the cameras 100% and this isn't just because we're not big fans of Red Bull and Horner yes Christian Horner is very aware there are cameras around him and he's very very much playing up to them there's actually one uh, very interesting um, segment which you might have seen by now in what you've seen Alex um, during a team principals meeting where 
um, Horner actually accuses Toto of playing up to the Netflix the cameras. cameras. So it's interesting that the the Netflix element has actually become part of the real narrative because everyone knows they're around all the time. So, you know, he was accusing another team principal of of saying certain things or saying things in a certain way um, be- just because we all know Netflix are there and some things will get picked up. But that was really interesting. It- um, the Oscar Piastri saga in general was just... Fantastic I haven't got to that yet, scenes. so I'm looking forward to getting into that. There's effectively an episode and a half um, about the Oscar Piastri, Oscar Piastri situation. Really interesting to see some McLaren and Alpine conversations behind the scenes that we just wouldn't have known about without that. Um, obviously, the the general Toto Wolf and Christian Horner needle, the way they just clearly hate each other and any opportunity to say or do a thing which pisses the other person off that opportunity is taken. So this is why I'm saying I like this because it's much more like a TV drama, except yep. with people where we know these are actually real situations. This is how these people feel about each other. And well, as, you, as you've told me, this is your favourite ever series. Because yes. I thought last series was a bit, was a bit rubbish. Um, and the problem, the problem was they got nerfed by COVID. And um, Perry Brown in the chat mentions, do they still camp with one particular team? And that was very much a COVID thing because they couldn't move around from team to team. Yeah, so that's go, changed. Now they just go wherever they want. And it is a good show. Um, and especially for new people who want to get into the sport, it's fantastic for that because it gives you an insight. In, it gives you snippets but it gives you an insight into everything. It's because, oh, actually, do I want to watch this sport? Do you know what? I like this person. I like this person. Um, the racing looks fun. Oh, that looks exciting. Yeah, I'll go and watch. And that's why people are now tuning into Formula One. So whether you like Drive to Survive or not, it has been a key factor in keeping our sport moving and uh, growing like it should be. So we have we are fans of Formula One in a way that me in a deep enough way and for long enough that means that we have a a good amount of insight into people's backstories where they've come from what they've done in the past what um, incidents have happened to them um, everything that's kind of that goes on outside of the race itself and that's why we enjoy watching the sport as a whole and if there's a boring race it doesn't matter that much because it's not just about who wins the race there are other subplots going on all the time. And what Drive to Survive has done is bring that element of the sport to the surface and put that in front of people who wouldn't have been able to see any of that unless they just sat down and watched Formula One for 10 years. Yeah. You know, they're getting to see this stuff that that is an element that we have always enjoyed and they're getting kind of, yeah, okay, a polished version of that that's made a bit more interesting and you know it's it's really made into a it's it's produced in a way which makes it very obvious what these backstories are but it has definitely worked i encounter people every single day who are formula one fans now like people who would class themselves as diehard f1 fans now watch every race every practice session because of watching drive to survive so it, it has done the job it was there to do um, Danny Henney in the chat, in the chat, previous guest of this show, um, says the worst thing about DTS though is it jumps around too much. It should go in chrono- chronological order. Now, I don't agree with that because every single episode is a different story on a different team and how they saw their progress through the season. Danny's wrong about everything though. So. This is also true. Um, I agree with he, he he said that um in that scene where they're all in the in the driver in the team 
principals meeting he said horner the horner came across really really well in that i think the whole thing just comes across as horner as a twat but i don't know whether i definitely we, have my we are obviously or not. watching we're watching it with a preconception that we think that horner is is not the the nicest bloke but um to just answer danny effectively I, I echo what you just said it wouldn't work for things things have happened um earlier than the race you would be on if that makes sense you know yeah. you can't cover everything without just literally watching the whole of the real season from start to finish um, i think it works quite well and it's this format that drive to survive follows works well in other sports documentary dramas on netflix that that i've seen have you seen the last dance the michael jordan oh uh, i did a long time ago i think you made me watch it yeah i mean it's not that old it's maybe a couple of years old um mm. that's a similar basketball michael jordan mm-hmm. focused um thing that's a bit like drive to survive but obviously it's not covering a current season um there's also a nascar version of drive to survive that follows bubba wallace those are two sports that you know i know a bit more about nascar but still i'm not up to speed with the current events in nascar and I don't know all the personalities, I found that thoroughly watchable because it's done in the style of Drive to Survive. And that made Mm. me understand how a non-F1 person would come and view Drive to Survive and become engaged with it because of the way way they cut it and they put it together makes it watchable if you don't know everything about that sport. Fine, I'm going to go prove, I'm going to go try and prove that then because a lot of my mates have been telling me to go and watch Full Swing. Yes, that's something on my list. Which is basically a golf version of drive to survive so if i can end up liking golf because of that it's not gonna happen um they've done a good job but yes that's the one thing i hate golf (laughs) i haven't been converted to nascar or um basketball like some of the fans uh, the newer fans of f1 have been converted to f1 but that doesn't mean to say it wouldn't happen with a different sport so maybe golf is the one let's both watch that alex and we can maybe we can do a little segment that no one cares about about that Danny turned up a bit late, but he said, what's our thoughts on Oscar Piastri? I have no idea, but I just don't warm to him. The only reason I bring that up is because every single interview that I have seen with him, he seems like a really boring person. Considering he's Australian, you know, every Australian we've had in F1 that I can remember has been lively and bubbly and chatty to the cameras. And I just don't find there's much... He doesn't give much. He's very much a McLaren robot. We'll find we'll He's find out McLaren. a lot more about Piastri soon, won't we? We're going to see a lot more of him. Tyson, let's not attempt the surname. Tyson says full swing is pretty decent. These guys, box to box films, who make um, Drive to Survive, know what they're doing. Um, and Tom says next week Alex will be telling us all about his new set of golf bats. So there we go. I once bought a set of golf bats because in my industry, golf is a big thing. Uh, in my industry for work. Uh, golf is quite a big thing i bought a really cheap set of golf clubs went to a driving range to see if i could do it hit a bunch of balls and then um did my back in and was and had a bad back for about eight months i ain't trying golf again and i i did it at school for like a kind of weird side sport lesson thing and i think i was how posh a school did you go to it was like moderately posh. It wasn't super posh. It was like a cheap posh. Oh, before we move on to the next topic, we've got a super chat. New made. Hang on, let's play the music first. Sorry, Twitter people. I know you can't hear this. <laughs> so New made says, I need to make that transparent, that video. Well, at least slightly transparent. <laughs> New made says, did I miss you talking about the Merc sandbagging? I'm hoping it's all about that old rear wing. Hashtag in full denial. Hashtag 
praying for the bags. <laughs> okay, he loves so, a hashtag, doesn't he, New Maid? New Maid, who is a channel member, head to the YouTube channel and become a member for certain perks, um, like getting a cool little picture of a helmet next to your name, like New Maid has. He, uh, we have spoken about this. We suspect there is a level of sandbagging going on. We, we could, hope. we could be on total copium um, and or hopium. Um, and be completely <laughs> completely off track i just have a feeling that, that mercedes must they must have something that they're holding they have back to. significant. I, can't, I, I can't go through another season of oh look hamilton's not winning a race it was all the car fuck off it will be good danny. if they're back in the fight it would be good yeah danny you <laughs> red bull fan maverick sim racing in the chat right let's move on to this is this has been good alex we've we haven't run out of stuff to talk about we've got a bunch more stuff that we could talk about we're actually going to, have to skip over because it's time for history with alex and brad this week's history with alex and brad is about the team that was bought for a pound that was resurrected from the ashes of honda when they pulled out and it looked like jensen button and rubens barrichello weren't going to have a drive for that season and we're talking about the 2009 season and we're talking about braun gp now this is something i have done absolutely no research on normally for history with alex and brad one of us or all of us really read about the topic and even if we're not the ones presenting the topic we we have a good read just to make sure we can contribute to something but i've been so busy today that i haven't researched it at all but I did follow this season very closely and I consider myself a, a relatively knowledgeable F1 fan. So let's see if I can contribute to your segment, Alex. I've, I've, about- you say my segment. It, basically, we were supposed to have a guest this week. We didn't have a guest this week. There was lots of testing. So we picked an easy topic. <laughs> yes, that's, that's what happened. Rather than dropping this segment because we do adore this segment and it's a cornerstone of this show. But it's okay. I have done some other research for some stats and I'll try and remember things. Right. So I'll start off with what I know. So Honda had lost interest in Formula One after a number of seasons of um, poor performance. Things like the the Earth Dreams car and then the car which followed that, which I can't remember what that was in 2008, which just wasn't very good. Um, and Honda decided to pull out. But they had recently pumped a hell of a lot hang of on, development. Hang on, hang okay, on. Okay, am I getting ahead of it? The reason they decided to pull out okay, was because of the rather large financial crisis that happened in 2008. Which yes, is, fair enough. Which was um, part of the reason eventually Toyota ended up pulling out a couple of years. Oh, we have another super chat. Oh, God, it's Danny and Henny, it's Danny. Maverick Sim Racing. I'm gonna we can ignore him because he's a friend, so it doesn't really matter. So we can just so ignore him. Danny Henny says, while I remember, are you going to pay up on your bet? So did Danny make a bet that Danny Hamilton... Danny thinks he made a bet. No one actually agreed or shook hands on it, so I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling I agreed to this bet. <laughs> this bet was, I think it was £20 that Hamilton would get beaten by Russell last season, and I think Danny won the bet. But This is why I yeah, don't gamble. Yeah, Danny, I'll, I'll, next time I see you in person, I'll give you £20 if I've got £20. Anyway, Honda <laughs> pulled out for um, because of the financial crisis Correct. that was happening around the world. But in the background, before they made the decision to pull out, they pumped a lot of money of development into the 2009 car. In fact, they'd stopped developing the 2008 car super early with a view to performing really well in 2009. And they obviously pulled out, and that meant that that car was never going to race. It it wasn't going to see the light of day. Honda certainly weren't going to be supplying engines in 2009. And so the staff at Brackley 
um, who had gone through being British American racing and then had turned into the full factory. Tyrrell before that. And, and Tyrrell before, but they weren't Tyrrell at Brackley. So British American racing in 1998, and correct me, chat, if I'm wrong on that, 1998, British American racing bought Tyrrell's entry into Formula One, but didn't actually buy anything else. They didn't buy the factory. They didn't buy the cars, the designs, anything like that. They completely started from scratch in Reynard Park in Brackley near Silverstone. And they built a factory from the ground up um, um, along with Adrian Reynard and Craig Pollock as manager, etc. Anyway, that's the older part of the news. Turn into Honda. Honda pull out. What the hell's going to happen to the team and the cars that have been by designed? The, by the way, a quick segue from previous weeks. We've talked about a Tyrrell car. We've talked about BAR. And now we're talking about Honda and... Um, uh, and Braun. So, you know, we've we've segmented all the way through the history of, of the Tyrrell team. That was totally on purpose. So what happened to the team? How did it how did it end up actually running the following year in two thousand and nine? So um a few years before they actually went uh, before Honda dropped out, after he left Ferrari or was made to leave Ferrari, Ross Braun, rather than going to Red Bull, which is what they wanted, um, actually ended up heading off to Honda to try and go with this manufacturer team and make this manufacturer team uh, a superpower in the sport. And in true Honda fashion, whenever they start to get good, they disappear out of the sport. Um, and then what happened was Ross Braun decided he wanted to save the team no part on the fact that he knew they had a really, really good car. Um, and they managed to save all the staff and buy the team for a pound. Because it would have cost Honda a lot of money to pay all the redundancies that would have Correct. gone with absolutely you know, dismantling the team. So it was in their interest to sell it for a pound. And obviously it helped them save a lot of face. Um, so that's, that's um, obviously a good thing for them. But it meant that Ross Braun got a fully working Formula One team ready to go for a pound except it wasn't fully working because they didn't have an engine no and they had a choice between the ferrari engine and the merc engine and the merc is the one that fit the best they still had to take massive chunks out of the chassis apparently to get it to fit but it was just the best fit but what they were also developing with honda was an ers was a curve system because this was the this was the year where all the regulations changed so it was, a, it was a big regulation change, almost as big as the regulation change we had last year. We went to really long, wide um, front wings and really skinny, tall rear wings and all the sort of furniture on top of the cars had all gone, all the winglets and all the little veins and stuff that used to look ridiculous on the cars and would just fall off anyway. Um, that was all gone. Um, so they had developed curs as well, which for those who don't, know what curs is curs was the initial introduction of using battery power and regenerative energy inside the formula one car where they had a burst of 80 horsepower for six seconds every single lap okay so i'm with you so far did did braun have curs so braun had so honda had the the technology but because they were now putting it in a new engine in a new chassis and the packaging was very hard because the batteries were big very heavy which meant um uh, weight balance uh, ballasting it around the car was very difficult they opted to run without it which actually was for the best because the two cars who were the best two cars in that season didn't have it which was them and red bull okay so 
The car has got a bodged-in Mercedes in the back of it. They missed the first couple of tests. Is that right? Because this was back in the time where you didn't have to all test in the same place. They, they'd they missed a couple, and I know they did do a bit of running on what's known fondly as the Silverstone Triangle, the little um, infield circuit at yeah. Silverstone. With the National? The na- no, not the National. The National's the school actually... circuit? Yeah, it's called the Stowe Circuit. That's Stowe Circuit, it's that's the, the one. It's the track that you drive if you go to Silverstone to do an experience day thinking you're going to go out and drive a single-seater on the F1 track. You actually don't. You drive inside Silverstone yeah. um, as a venue, but you're on a completely different track to uh, to the racetrack itself. They did some testing there, um, and it worked. It was fine. That was I the key point. Jensen Button felt like the car was okay, but you really can't tell a lot from the Stowe circuit. It's no. far too small and twisty. So they went to Barcelona, where everybody else had been for two days or three days beforehand, and they turned up for the last day of the test. Jensen Button went out, did an outlap, did one lap where he wasn't really pushing, came back in, started moaning about the car, and they said, Jensen, you've just gone a second quicker than anybody else has been around here all week. And they promptly went around sandbagging for the rest of the time because they had a rather big innovation on their car that only two other teams had thought of, which was the double diffuser. Now, Brad, you might be able to explain double diffuser better than I can. I'm going to give the most basic possible version. Essentially, a loophole in the regulations that allowed you to interpret the word hole in a certain way when viewed from a certain angle. It allowed them to effectively double the exit capacity of the diffuser at the back um, by um, by reading the regulations in a way which meant that they could direct air um, through a certain portion of the floor in a way that other teams hadn't realised. Now, the interesting thing about that regulation, that loophole that they came up with, was it was actually found by one of the Japanese um, engineers from Honda because he was reading these regulations in his second language and it was just ended up being the way he interpreted it. Um, the two other teams that... I didn't had, know that. That's really interesting. I, I literally learned that before coming on the show. Um, and the two other teams that had the double diffuser was Toyota and Williams. Now, Williams, I can't remember who it was who was in charge of Williams. I think it was Sam Michael. Sam Michael, I believe. Um, he was like, I can't believe nobody else saw this. Um, obviously, it was also a year where Ferrari and McLaren had just been obviously embroiled, been embroiled in a massive two-year battle uh, right to the end of the season title fight and had both absolutely fluffed the regulations. They both had curs, and I think they both spent a long time trying to package curs in their cars to get extra speed out, and the cars were just awful, which is obviously terrible for Lewis Hamilton because it was the year after his championship winning year. And it meant those those teams really were not in the fight at all from the outset. Not this until became halfway through the season. Definitely a Braun versus Red Bull fight. But early on in the season, whilst Red Bull were kind of getting their act together, Braun were pretty dominant. If I remember correctly, at the very first race, at this point, we still weren't 100% sure what the pace of the Braun was going to be. You couldn't read into the testing necessarily. People didn't believe it. They turned up, Jensen Button was on pole and effectively drove away to win. But Barrichello had some major problems (laughs) and still came back to second. I believe he, did he fluff the start or something like that? He fluffed the start, he hit Mark Webber, he broke a bit off his front wing and still came second after um, Vettel and Williams, I can't remember who was driving it, crashed into each other right towards the end. And that was the second ever race to finish under safety car. 
Okay, interesting. I did not know Ooh. that. Um, so Braun were running away with the championship. Well, I should Six say... Six of the first seven races Jensen won. Jensen Button was the one winning. What, which was the race he didn't win? I don't remember. I was, didn't, was, I, Silver, was the British Grand Prix one of the first seven no, races? No, they, they'd already started to slip off by the time we got to Silverstone. Um, okay. I can't remember which one it was. Someone in the chat will tell us. The, the, Jensen, BMW, the, the, the Williams BMW driver was Kubica. Williams BMW driver? Kubica never drove a Williams when it was a BMW. What's the question? I don't know what question that is answering. Sorry, no, no, sorry. Kubica, Kubica and Vettel had the crash. Okay. That brought out the uh, car. Okay, understood. I was, I was like two topics further ahead than where we were talking about. Vettel there. won in China. Ah, is it, so that's why he didn't. That's why Button didn't have like the hundred percent from the first seven races. Correct. It was still a record. I don't know if it is still a record. I don't. I don't follow those things, but it was definitely a record at the time that no one had ever won the first seven in six. He looked six like an seven. absolute shoe in for the championship, didn't Absolutely. he? It was like it was 100% going to Button. And then the Braun started running out of steam. As yeah. the season went on and the development wasn't happening, because obviously this was a car which was really well developed by Honda in the build up to the season. But then pretty much from the moment the team was sold, there wasn't any more. There wasn't any budget to develop it through the season. It was the same car that effectively as started the season that was just being used through the rest. And a team like Red Bull, who were definitely on the up and having money spent in the right places and definitely developing, caught them and caught them and caught them and got on top of their car. And there was a point kind of middle or towards the second or the final third of the season where it looked like it had crossed over and Red Bull might actually win this. So then what happened? Um, so Vettel was catching and catching. The Braun wasn't moving forward. Um, a new uh, mid-season entrant of Roman Grosjean. I saw a picture of him when he first joined. God, he looked young when he long first hair. came in. Um, had long hair. Um, he took Jensen out at Spa on the first okay. lap, which obviously took a big dent to his championship. And he just seemed to like never get anywhere near the podium. Um, Wait, for a really, really on. long time. Roman Grosjean took Jensen out. Roman, Gro Roman Grosjean, on the first lap of Spa, took him and Lewis out. Ah, wow. I, I did not think this was the same season. Yeah, so. it was that season. Okay, I'm, I'm learning lots. Um, and Maverick Sim Racing in the chat has pointed out that that wasn't a record first six from seven because Schumacher won the first 10 of 11 races in 2004. But let's say it was a record for Jensen Button. There's it a whole his, bunch of different videos that says, that says that's the fact, but... Did he really win 10 from 11? God, that car was OP. Because he's rubbish. No, joking. Um, looking into that conversation right now. Otherwise, Daniel will ruin our chat for the rest of the, for the, rest of the thing. So um, they went on throughout the season. Um, and Started falling back. Started falling back. Weber, Weber won his first race. He won at the Nürburgring. Uh, Vettel was picking up wins. But they just couldn't get anywhere near the podium. So they were losing... Um, losing points hand over fist but the person losing the most points was rubens barrichello because rubens barrichello who had been um second for a long time all of a sudden got overtaken by sebastian vettel right towards the end and it only when we came to brazil uh jensen button put in one of the best drives of his career after fumbling uh qualifying he started 14th and seb started 16th barrichello on pole at brazil Still didn't finish the race. Oh, um, that's painful. He never finished a Brazilian Grand Prix. 
Oh, wow. In okay. all his years, if I, I, I'm pretty certain I'm right on that one. He either didn't finish or never got a point in in the brazilian grand prix no surely and he, not and, and he's and he in has been in, and he has been in positions to win he's in fact check us. Da- danny will definitely know this Connor edwards says he finished second alex van jeans here with the hot completely incorrect information forever mm. we're going to teach the new formula one Connor, fans all about the history <laughs> by completely making it up Alex Van Jean's false memories. Oh, well. <laughs> That's going to be the new segment. Anyway, Barrichello wasn't doing as well as Button. And this really was such an opportunity for Barrichello to finally get a championship, having been in Schumacher's shadow for all those years. He finds himself in a car capable of winning the championship. Um, and he didn't. Maverick Sim Racing again in the chat. What kind of stat man is this? Basically, I can't, I can't even blame Sean Kelly for this one. No, anything Alex says that that is like said as a statement of fact about anything that was more than a year or so ago, go and go and check it. Yeah, just go Google it. it. Google it before you fully believe it. Um, Connor Edwards did just Google it. Um, so the button won the championship by finishing fifth at Brazil. Um, Braun won the constructors championship as well. Is that they right? Did. Okay. So the, it's a team that had, they only existed for one year. So the following year it became Mercedes anyway. So the team had a hundred percent, championship record one year driver's championship constructor's championship never to be seen ever again and that is in in my eyes one of the coolest fairy tale stories that's ever happened in formula one and the reason we the reason we went with this as a history with alex and brad for this week not only because we both had a bit of background knowledge well one of us did apparently the other one just makes shit up um they're, they're now also... arguing they're now arguing in the chat that actually it was eighth not second Okay, well, anyway, the reason we brought this up is... I don't have to go is, Google this shit. The reason we brought this story up this week <laughs> was because of Aston Martin. Because people don't quite believe the pace that the Aston Martin's shown. And if they go and win the first race, and we did allude to this in one of our other episodes, so again, we're going to claim this if it happens. If they are stunningly quick this weekend, there's some kind of parallels there because people didn't believe it. So there we go. Um, that was History with Alex and Brad. I think it's probably time after an hour and 15 minutes for, for us to begin our, our wrap-up section of the show. So just before we actually sign off, let, and we didn't do, you know, we said on Twitter, Alex, we wanted people to send in their ways to spice up. Yeah, testing. no one did. No one sent anything in. That's because so, you didn't send it in. You didn't put it up a day and a half ago like I told you to. Yeah, well, I was busy, so <laughs> we won't do that segment. But we would like to tell you guys about how you can support the show. Um, we're not asking for money, by the way. Um, we want you to help us by leaving a review effectively. So you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or or any podcast reviewing site that you happen to use. Um, because this week we dropped to 78th position in the Kenyan sports podcast charts, but we got up to P9 in Barbados. So it's not all bad. <laughs> but, you know, we're taking these In podcasts victories. in general. General podcasts. Um, you can <laughs> like the YouTube stream that you're, some of you are watching right now. Um, you can subscribe to this channel. That helps us out as well. We also have a full chat YouTube channel, which is populated with every one of our old episodes. And eventually, if and when that gets enough subscribers, that's where we'll move this portion of the show. We won't be on Bradley Philpot YouTube forever. Um, it's just because I happen to have more followers than the full chat one. So it makes sense. Um, but it's just a couple of clicks to do those things. Um, and it really does help us. 
Um, it'll help YouTube recommend this to more people as well. Obviously, tell your friends if you thought this was enjoyable in any way and wasn't complete rubbish. Um, <laughs> you can use your word of mouth to help market the show. Do us a favor and do that and pretend that we know what we're talking about. Um, aside from that, the really easy bits, follow Alex, Alex Van Jean on Twitter, also on TikTok at Alex Van Jean. Full Chat has its own TikTok where Alex will post clips of things like all the ways I insult him in the intros. Um, so you need to do a compilation of those. There's definitely enough of those now that you can do one of those. Yeah. Um, and that's at Full Chat on TikTok. And obviously you can follow me at Bradley Philpot on Twitter. Anything else to add, Alex, before I read out you a couple of nice reviews? You teach people to, race, to, to drive all sorts of different types of race cars, real and pretend? If you want to get taught by me how to drive things faster then get faster faster um head to bradphilpot.com forward slash coaching and then once brad has got you really good at sim racing and you want a nice livery for your car come and talk to me and i'll make them for you alex is good at painting on photoshop or getting he's he's the right level of painter for the price he charges is that is that is that kind of a nice enough way of putting it i am self-taught at um at, at Photoshop, and I have got much better, and I can I can I can make things to a design that you want. I can do anything you want now. In all seriousness, Alex, Alex's liveries are very very good, so probably better than most people can do themselves. Let's just read a couple of nice reviews we got from last week. We got a review from Ken's Left Toe. Oh, Ken's Left Toe. Right, okay, that's obviously not as well. <laughs> um, this is a nice simple one. Five stars. Brad and Alex know their stuff and are funny, so that's a nice live from Wait him. Wait until they hear my stats from this week. And from Tusk7 via Apple Podcasts, they said, um, great podcast, five stars. Felt the need to correct Michigan's reputation in the reviews. I enjoyed listening to this podcast since it started. Um, and he says some other nice things as well. And that's because we got a horrible review from someone in Michigan <laughs> last week. So really, Alex, um, I'm looking forward to the race at the weekend. We're going to have a bunch of stuff to talk about next week. Please, everyone, join us. Do we want to give a quick prediction on what we think the top three oh! is going to be? I mean, we kind of did 25 minutes on that, but yeah, let's do a definite prediction. So as, in dri- go- as in drivers. So go on. Quali and race. Leclerc on pole. Mm-hmm. Verstappen second. Hamilton third. And that is a terrible prediction because that assumes that the teammates of each of those drivers are going to do massively worse than the number one drivers. But that's my prediction. I'm going Max Perez. Leclerc. I'm going to say in the race, some unreliability is going to be uncovered by the fact that people were sandbagging and not using their engines to the fullest during testing. And so the final result in the race is going to be Hamilton, Alonso, <laughs> Leclerc. You're laughing, but when that comes true, you're going to look like a legend. Uh, I'm, I'm going for a Red Bull 1-2 and I don't like it. Um, and Ferrari will fuck something up and George will come third. If you notice, I'm staying firmly away from predicting anything for Lewis. I, I just don't want to do it. Well, um, this is why I don't gamble. Yeah, because if but... I gamble, I have to. I can't not bet on Lewis because it's because you're hoping. Because I, I want the him person to win. I don't want to win. I bet the other way because then at least I'm not disappointed with both things. Like no, one but of that's them not is the result go, I right? want. So inter- interrupts with my my joy for i understand i do understand that perspective well let's see we're going to find out what happens in just a few days time join us next week when we're going to have a special guest uh, f1 data analysis who are going to tell us all about the data from the first race of the season but until we see you next time keep it full chat goodbye 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.